I'm Brett Henley, and you are listening to The Mindful Creator, a podcast exploring what it takes for artists and creators to cultivate meaningful work without losing ourselves along the way. Welcome to episode number one of The Mindful Creator. Today's show is aptly titled Just Be, something that my co-pilot and I, Karen Beginski, both hold near and dear. Uh, Karen is a certified yoga instructor, writer and creator of Yuga and Yoga, and a wonderful human being who overcame a deep depression through dedicated yoga and meditation practice. As she says it best, I didn't come to the mat seeking a better body. I came to the mat to reclaim myself. Karen and I will be exploring presence in the context of creating, why it is so damn important, and ways we can begin to cultivate presence in our creative processes. Today, I am hanging out here with Karen Beginski. She's a good friend of mine uh, of Happy Momentum. So uh, Karen, welcome and uh, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So today's topic is presence, both in the context of creating and I guess the context of building what we lovingly call an intentional life. So, you know, this is a topic that's sort of near and dear, I know, to both of us and it's something that I know that Karen can speak pretty confidently to. And it's something that obviously I have struggled quite a bit with. So, you know, kind of where I want to just dive in here and start is a little bit of a piece or a snippet from some writing that you did recently that I think really speaks to this topic. So I'm going to read that real quick and then we can kind of just dive in. Uh, Let's see. You said, life is most full of ease when we are not waiting to begin or end. So maybe just elaborate a little bit on what you meant there. It's so funny because I I write so much and and weekly on my blog and when someone reads a quote or <laughs> sends some of the writing back to me, I'm like, oh, that was good. I forgot about that one. <laughs> so so thanks for pulling that one out. Um, it's a good reminder for me too, because, you know, when I wrote that one, when I wrote that in particular, I'm, I'm at a crossroads right now in my life where I'm transitioning from working full-time in offices for seven plus years to working for myself and working for myself as a mindful creator. And so what I've noticed about my journey is that I'm all, I was always waiting for something to begin or end. You know, I was always waiting for, well, what's the next step here at the job? Then I'm going to get promoted. Okay, what's um, the next step to be a yoga teacher? I, I'm going to get uh, the certification and then I need to get a class. And it was almost like I was so busy chasing goals and finding myself very uneasy in the process that it just dawned on me when I decided to do this for myself full time um, and make a living by myself was that, you know, there's there's always going to be things to wait on. There's always going to be beginnings. There's always going to be ends. But the life that I want to live is one that is created between all of that space. So spending more time in the ease by consciously choosing to be there instead of racing toward the goal or or trying to leave something that um, I was in for a while is more of just showing up and realizing that that life is spent easier when you're just present. Oh yeah, amen, 110%. <laughs> and it took, took a long time to come to that. <laughs> yeah, I think it takes a tremendous amount of patience and quite frankly, a lot of trial and error and a lot of not being present before you really understand, uh, you know, how important it is and, 
um, in the context of a lot of things, not just our, our body of work that we're trying to build, but also just everyday life. I think the two of them really speak to each other a lot more significantly than I think we realize. And I, I, I totally resonate with what you're saying. I think one of the biggest things I've struggled on my own journey as a writer is just really understanding that it's okay to be sort of in this middle sort of gray area, as I call it, that it's kind of where we're supposed to be. You know, I think we're, we're running this race, uh, constant sort of chase uh, of this distant dream, you know, somewhere tucked behind that horizon line, and we're, we're always running. And I think it's, it's difficult for most creators or artists of any kind to really stop and, and fully sort of just surrender to the moment and, and realize that, you know, you're not always going to have it all figured out. And you may not, elements of your journey may never be figured out. And there's so many elements of that that I think are very difficult to grasp. And I think that's a lot of what we're trying to talk about today. So let me, let me dial in a little bit more specifically. So what do you think in, in your mind that presence is in the context of creating itself, maybe not just in life's journey and, and how that sort of, you know, kind of crosses or, or intertwines with, with our creative lives, but just in the context of the actual creative process, what do you think presence means? Presence is for me, a letting go and a letting in. It's it's almost this strange space. You know when you take a breath and you fill it all up and you get to the very top and then you empty it all out. It's the space at the top and the space at the end. You know, it's those little moments when you can't quite see the transition either or. It just is. And so for me, when creating, you know, it's it's being active with what's happening now. And not passive, because when you're passive, then your mind, oh my gosh, like tells you so many stories about what you're doing and and if you're doing it well, and if you should be doing it one way or the other, what are other people going to think about what you're creating? And, and that's not, that's not presence at all. (laughs) That's being uh, really dialed into your rat race, like you said, but, but in your mind of your own ego and what's going on there. So, so I think the ability to see that Everything that's occurring in that creation process and step away from the how you feel about it part helps you to get a little bit more aware of what is really going on now and allow yourself to be in that space without having the editor in your head. Which is really, really difficult oh, yeah. for all of us. And I think I, I really resonate a lot with what you're saying. I, I think what's most difficult about presence in the specific you know context of our creative processes is that we're not it's not something we're taught it's not something that many people talk about and and it's it's very conceptual i mean let's face it when you talk about presence it, it it's such a heady topic that i think <laughs> it's difficult for people to understand right it on its own let alone how that impacts the creative process itself but for me it's it's really been about letting go i think you know that's a whole another topic of discussion on its own but i think the presence for me has been about letting go of a lot of things to just sort of give myself that space to really focus on just what's right in front of me. And that's, that's, that's the hardest part is because as creators in this day and age where opportunity seems to be around every corner and technology is rapidly expanding and growing at all times, that it's difficult to feel like we can just be where we are at the moment. And that when we do create, that there's not a million things pulling us in separate uh, directions. Oh gosh. I, I know that well, especially now that my day job for many years has been as a journalist on deadline or doing social media strategy. 
And I mean, on social media all the day right there, that's part of why this presence thing is such a big deal to me um, because I need it. It's necessary. There's so much disruption in our lives. Uh, I just read something that said people check their phones up to 900 times a day sometimes. Yeah, no, thank you. Like, yeah, <laughs> like one time a second. I mean, and and I find myself being pulled in these directions too. I, I wonder what people are are saying. Are they tweeting me? Are they? Um, am I getting more subscribers? Am I being emailed? And and all of that comes because I've put myself out there as a creator. But really, I just want to create. You know, it's it's awesome to feel heard. But I think when when you're not present with your creation and you're just putting out your creation and expecting to hear back, then you don't get the same sort of response, which is connection. We all want that true connection. And when you're truly present with what you're creating and you put that out, whether it's a book or a yoga sequence or a song, it doesn't matter so much what you get back. It more so matters that you've just connected. You've become part of that whole. You've you've done your work. And you're and I, I agree with you 100%. And what's interesting is you're talking about something that is so absolutely innately inhuman in so many ways that uh -huh. that it's very difficult for people to to cultivate that in their in their everyday life let alone their creative process. So I mean essentially what you're saying is you have to be completely self-aware of how important presence is. You have to sort of understand that yeah, of course I want recognition for my work. I, I mean, I'm not doing this to just just to make art. I mean, I think the starving artist sort of um, idea is kind of silly. We all know that. I mean, we all we all create for different reasons, not just money. But at the end of the day, all of us want to create for a living to be able to fill our lives with that. And so being able to sort of push that aside and not necessarily ignore it, but kind of consciously ignore it, and know that it's there, but not give energy to it is something that's very, very difficult. It's not something that human beings are, I think, able to just easily sort of split our minds in two different directions. And that's essentially what you're doing. You're being consciously aware of the need to do certain things to build that platform for your work. Yeah, I love what you just said about giving energy to it. Uh, because I think that when you give energy to cultivating presence, your work is just so much more you. Um, rather than being pulled in all of these directions that you think you should be or someone's telling you to do. Yeah, you said something, uh, you know, so I pulled some pieces from different different aspects of your writing that I felt like were really applicable to this conversation. So that you said something uh, that I think really resonates here. You said, you know, presence is active, not passive. And it's ability to see all that is occurring in the creation. So I think that is this interesting dynamic, almost this interesting duality to some degree with the creative process where you have to be sort of consciously aware of where you're trying to go, but also completely aware and completely just in the moment and aware of what you're actually doing at that time. So again, it's that weird duality between I know what I want to accomplish and I know what the end goal of this piece is or the particular, you know, creation that I'm working on at the time. But you also have to be able to put yourself fully into what you're creating in the moment. And that is, I think, extremely difficult. So here's a funny story about that when I was I was thinking about this was um, I realized growing up a writer because I've always loved to write ever since fourth grade when I I wrote some silly story a fictional story um, for class that you know this is what I wanted to do with my life and 
I was the type of writer who always left loose ends. You know, I was never a, here's the beginning, middle, end. I, I really struggled with five paragraph essays, even though I did them well, I could follow that framework, but I disliked that penned inness of of here's exactly how you need to wrap up everything here's everything has to have a nice conclusion uh, when I got to college and I took journalism classes uh, there was one of my core classes was magazine journalism or feature writing and I was so excited about this class and I thought oh I'm gonna nail this I'm you know I've I've really grown as a writer and I understand how to write news stories and all the details and all that. So I turned in my first essay and it was so different than everyone else's in the room. And we're all going around and reading them. And I'm just like awed at the talent of other writers in the room. And then I read mine. I'm, I'm thinking, oh gosh, here we go. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to get shot down again, just like I was, um, by middle school and high school teachers who would sometimes say, uh, this kind of lacks focus. And, you know, instead of doing that, people were like, huh, that's an entirely different style. Okay, I can see that. But, you know, you still need some detail here. <laughs> yeah. So so what I was kind of doing and in, in figuring out over the course of being a writer is that you have to exist within a framework, but you have to give yourself liberties at the same time to see all that's occurring with, with your creation. And, and steel yourself against the criticism of others because if it's if it's good for you and that serves you great if their criticism is constructive and they're they're kind of guiding you and helping you take the next step that's great too but not to take it so so um so to heart a lot of us as as writers i know we are so very self-critical and then when someone else criticizes us it's just like the end of the world. <laughs> so, so to be able to, um, to honor yourself in, in your process and, and honor other people's input without losing yourself. I think that gets back to your own presence too, of, yeah. of who you are and being true to yourself in that moment. I think a hundred percent, I think, you know, uh, creating is structured chaos I and mean, there's no, there's no way around it. So <laughs> right. I think uh, again, this, the idea of presence comes back to that that deeper sort of self awareness, and I think that in itself is is kind of a, a different avenue we could certainly jump into and discuss. But I think there are elements of awareness practice that comes to this, and I think we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I want to talk. I want to kind of segue into something a little different here. Um, so I know we're talking about presence. I think in the context of creating, but one of the things we've kind of touched on, but really haven't gotten super in depth into, is why the hell is this so important? You know. We get we get that you know people are distracted. We get that we are in an age of of noise and opportunity, sort of walking hand in hand. We understand that that uh, you know there why there are no gatekeepers necessarily or a few gatekeepers standing in our way as independent creators. That there is still a very saturated idea market, and we are all sort of wading through that, trying to be heard. So we understand what we're dealing with, but but why why is it so important for for creators to be present in their work and that's kind of something i i want to touch on a little bit for me it's it's kind of self evident i think for me the distractions have come in the way of how i structure my work how i structure my process becoming too probably inundated with um ideas of what my work has to accomplish and and validation and acceptance and things of that nature and presence really for me has been just a way to let go like i've said earlier but but more importantly, it's been a way for me to truly become connected to my work. So for me, that's that's been important because it's really allowed me to be focused and gain clarity without stretching myself so thin. 
Um, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on just the why of, you know, presence being so important to creators. Well, I think that we are our own gatekeepers now, even though we can publish and put out at will really, um, on a whim and so easily our minds are, and when we're not present are the ones that are holding us back. Um, and finding that distinction between what you're telling yourself and who you really are is so important for your creative process. I know it is for mine. Um, my own self-talk from a very young age was was pretty negative and struggled with depression at two major times in my life and through yoga and meditation have completely just reversed the script on that and saw what I was telling myself all the time and how that was becoming true in my life without me even realizing it. I wasn't present at all. I was just letting my mind tell me however I needed to be that day or in that moment. And when I realized that I could take back myself, uh, my, my talk, <laughs> my self-talk, and I could not go, f- or I could go from rather being a victim to in charge of my life, that for me was, was the moment of, oh, I can actually be a whole person, not these two types of people who are warring with each other, the one who says you can't and the one who says you can. Um, and so when, when I'm creating anything, it's really that presence is so helpful for me to drop in and realize, well, yeah, you can. And you can do whatever the heck you want. <laughs> and, and the only person who's holding you back is you. I agree. And, and I think what's interesting is what you just sort of mentioned is kind of inter- intertwined and, and very related to the to sort of the next um, element that I wanted to discuss, which is why it's so difficult to, to cultivate presence. And I think the why of it being important and the why of it being so damn difficult to actually make happen are very similar. And I think that's because we're so focused on the finish. Mm-hmm. We're so focused on the outcome that both why presence important and why it's so hard is that where we need to be is right in the middle. We need to be in the now. We need to be focused on the work itself and and going as deep as we possibly can because that's at the end of the day that's going to what's going to dictate the outcome and the outcome that we want to achieve typically is pretty far away from what actually happens so i think the the need to control that and and is a lot of times what pulls us out of alignment and and why being present pulls us back and sometimes there's just not a lot of awareness around you know the effort that we're putting in a given moment how that will actually manifest you know, in, in the real world and how it would actually manifest into success of some kind. I think it's very difficult as a creator to tie in what I'm doing day to day or what any of us are doing day to day to what the end game might be. And to, to, you know, sort of embrace that, you know, maybe I spent 10 minutes writing today, or maybe I spent five minutes, or maybe I spent an hour and maybe it didn't feel like what I was writing or producing or creating was really worth all that much. But at the end of the day, the effort that we put in every day is, extremely important and critical in determining sort of what that outcome will look like. And it's just so difficult to tie the two together. And I think a lot of that is why it's so difficult for people to be present because it just can't, you can't tie tangible, measurable uh, results to those efforts. You can't say, well, oh, gosh, I agree. You know, I know if I do this an hour every day you know, everybody, sure, we blog about it. We talk about it um, in the context of how to be successful, but it's really difficult when you're staring at a blank page or you're staring at your computer to say, you know, I understand, you know, to the core that 
the effort I'm putting in right now is going to mean something tomorrow and, and down the road. And I just think that's, that's something that we have to sort of come to terms with. And it's something I've had to come to terms with and uh, have struggled to do so. Yeah, it's focusing on the end product and and hoping that what you're doing to lead up to that is beneficial. It, that's a struggle for me as well. And I have so many ideas of where I want to go and things I want to do and take happy momentum. And it's just that daily, well, well, what really is the best thing for me to do right now? You know, and what what should I be creating? And is this going to please not only me, but but those that I serve? I think a really good checkpoint and a couple of my friends have have let me know about this, is to figure out really, first of all, how your core values match up with those who look to you for advice or entertainment or, or whoever you serve. So finding those similarities in between what you love and what they love and really just making it be all about just serving that person, um, serving that one person, not thousands of people and not figuring out how to get your next client. But if I'm creating this, who is it really for? Who is it going to help? That's always been something that I've struggled with because I've th- I have these grand ideas of, oh, but wouldn't it be great to have this many people affected by my work? And we all naturally go there. We all want to be well-loved and known for what we do. Um, and when you have good intentions, that's no bad thing. That's great. Um, but at the same time, it can get us in trouble because then we're not focused on on any one thing to do because we just sort of get uh, unstable and, and don't even know what the first step should be. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, it's a, it's interesting because the concept of of bringing value to the world is something that I think a lot of people talk about and in a very conceptual fashion. Um, I think we tie it a lot to how you strategically build community. But what that actually means on a one-to-one and basis is all very relative and subjective. And I think for me, how I bring value, it's not something I don't think about in the context of if I write or create something, the value that I bring is going to somehow garner me attention. And I think sometimes that's how we sort of, that's the how we filter value. We, we look at it through the lens of, you know, it's still not really about them, it's about us still. We're, mm-hmm. we're producing something of value because we know that it, it's going to shine a light on us in the end. And I think that's one of the things about presence that, again, teaches us to focus on what, what's right in front of us. And, and, and in the process of serving others, you have to be 110% focused on the why of whatever you're creating. And you have, there's no room or space for you to be focused on yourself. And I think that's just a very difficult place to find, to kind of sort of move yourself to. And it's something that for me is, is been a, it's sort of one in the same with the process of figuring out what it takes to stop caring about whether my work is accepted or not. <laughs> right. Right. You know, but the process of serving others is serving yourself um, in a very unselfish way because you're using, you're using that presence to connect with everyone else. So in the yogic tradition, if you believe that everyone is interconnected, we all come from the same energy, there is no other, there is just all of us, then really what you do and how you live your life as an example and what you create um, is, is for everyone, for yourself included. So being able to be present with that notion and not seeing these divides between you and others is, I think, 
so helpful for for making decisions about um, what what you should be, <laughs> quote unquote, should be creating and, and how you can serve others. No, I love that. That's, I think, a, a very good point. I think it, it that kind of pushes us into a little bit of the how, which I think is important to talk a little bit about uh, the context of how you actually cultivate presence, because obviously it's it's not something I'm going to advocate that there's 50 steps for. I don't necessarily believe it. There are a preset step or number of steps for any process. Um, I think things like presence take a lot of patience and uh, it's not necessarily just a habit you can build, but I do think there's some things from a mindfulness perspective and otherwise that you can do that will teach you to let go and be present in both your work and in life. So I want to talk a little bit about that. So yoga is obviously a, a huge part of your journey. Um, mm -hmm. You know, people that know Karen would probably know that yoga is, is sort of the backbone of not just who you are as a person, but a lot of what you do with Happy Momentum, obviously yoga is very intertwined, but there's also, um, there's also an element of your writing that, that, that I think really speaks to the yoga practice and the traditions of yoga. And I think you're a, a very interesting blend of all of those things. So I'm curious from your perspective, you know, what kind of mindfulness practices have really helped you let go and be present and, and how that sort of has manifested in your work? For me, so I just want to preface this by saying, I don't have it all figured out, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. And it's, it's funny because when you put yourself out as some out there as someone who wants to help others with yoga and meditation and teach them these practices, oftentimes you have to remind yourself that you need to continue to do these practices too. Um, so it's always a, a constant, a constant practice just of, of making the time of setting it on the schedule. You know, I know that my life is immensely improved when I do yoga every day and I'm talking an hour every day. There's times when I can only fit in less, but when I consciously show up to a class and am, am led by another teacher, not just myself, I notice just a different clarity in my mind and in my breath and in my patience in life for other people, um, including my dog Willow, who's a little bit anxious from time to time. <laughs> so, so that's one big thing for me is actually scheduling and making that a priority because when I don't, other things fall apart. Uh, the second one that I think is easy for anyone to do and that has helped me is meditate. And it's really not any harder than sitting down for 10 minutes a day to start, maybe even five minutes if you've never done it before. And for me, I sit in a comfortable position. I have a meditation cushion and I just watch my breath on my upper lip. Uh, that usually leads to going inside and sort of finding this spaciousness in my head, almost as if I'm kind of in the universe a little bit. I mean, it's hard to describe, but it's just the boundaries are gone. And I'm in this inner space and I'm occupying this place where I don't have to think about who I didn't follow up with yesterday or who I need to talk to tomorrow um, or what I should have done on my to-do list that I haven't done yet. It's just occupying that space. And in that space, you're training your brain, you're training your mind to do something different, to not just run on the hamster wheel to think the same thoughts, to go through all of these seemingly immediate but sometimes irrelevant tasks that you do every day that don't really affect anyone or help 
anybody else or um, very much, but things that we just normally have to do to live our lives. It helps you just ground and be centered. And and, uh, I, I love this quote from Russell Simmons, the founder of Def Jam, who says, I don't do shit till I meditate. <laughs> you know, like he doesn't make Sounds any like, major, yeah. yeah, no major business decisions, nothing. Like he sits and he meditates and then everything happens from there. Well, I think training your brain is, an, is a point that you made, I think is, is really important. And I think that relates to what, to Russell's quote is, I think in some ways, like many of us, he realizes that without the presence and clarity and space more than anything, you know, uh, both mental and physical, but mental especially, it's very difficult um, to approach creating in a healthy manner. I think we are all looking, searching for that, and often we search for it in the wrong places and productivity hacking and systems mm-hmm. and things of that nature. And I think what we're talking about is meditation is certainly one of the mindfulness practices, yoga, some of the things that I do, but you know, not everybody will practice those things. And I think there's a lot of different ways of approaching. I think meditation is certainly one of them that's that's been very profound impact on my life and creating. And it's, it's, you know, I keep it very simple. I, I five to 10 minutes a day, I try not to complicate, uh, which should be relatively uncomplicated. But I think one of the other aspects too, is that presence very much is a muscle. And I think it takes practice and a lot of patience and that self-awareness we keep talking about. But I think what that really means is, is learning to recognize when you're drifting away. Um, and for me, you know, it's, it's the meditation and things have, have certainly been wonderful, but I think for me, the biggest thing with presence has been that recognition mm. and it's taken a lot of practice and a lot of it's just, you know, when I feel myself drifting, just sort of recognizing that and acknowledging it and saying, okay, and I probably look nuts. I probably look like I'm talking to myself. <laughs> what do you do when you drift? I'm curious. Um, well, so yeah, like when I'm, when I'm, you know, in the randomly just, you know, on a walk or something like that, or, or especially when I'm at the desk and my thoughts start to go, I tend to just, it takes me a while sometimes, but I'll get to a point where, you know, we tell those wonderful stories in our heads and I'll get to a point in the story that something clicks. It's almost like, Mm. you know, when you're listening to a record and it skips or there's a, there's a particular note and a piece of music that seems like it's off just a little bit and it, it just catches, you know, something fires internally and you say, okay, wait a second. And it just, it kind of skips a beat and you notice it. And there's always a moment in the stories that I'm telling to myself that I notice it and I'm like, okay, wait a second, what the hell am I doing here? And it's, it's typically, that's where I start. And so when I started to recognize that I was doing that, I, I actually started to try to become conscious of that. So I started to really pay attention in those moments. Like it's not easy to just it's not something you can measure. It's not something you can count how many times a day that, that all of a sudden you become aware that you're drifting. It's more of a, I started to give myself space in those moments when I was drifting to kind of just sit with it and be like, okay, I am somewhere lost in the recesses of my head right now, just going through a, a complete pattern of nonsense that makes no sense whatsoever. And over time, practicing that recognition became easier. And so then I started applying that. See, I started by applying that in my life. You know, every day, just sort of conversations when I wasn't listening uh, well enough, you know, when I was sitting in traffic and I was drifting, just different different areas of my life. And then I started to practice that sort of recognition process in my, in my creating. So when I was writing and I started to feel like I was drifting into editing mode or I felt like I was drifting into something else, I would, I would do the same thing. So for me, it's just been a slow sort of strengthening of that muscle of recognition that's done more for me. You know, the, the meditation has been great. The yoga has been great. And I think those are foundational 
elements for me. But I think what's really helped is is that coming back to the present moment through that recognition process. And um, you know, again, it's different for all of us, but I think there's a trigger for this. And I think if we learn to recognize that trigger, whether it's through breathing or a gentle, you know, positive reminder that you're drifting, there, there's something for everyone, I think, where they can start to sort of pull yourself back. I agree. It's helpful to find these kind of anchors. It sounds like when that happens for you and, and for myself as well, there's sort of like something you need to return to and have as a fail safe um, to create and and bring yourself back. And And when you practice that over and over, it just starts to happen more naturally and you find yourself not wondering as much. Yoga and meditation for me is the triggering of the parasympathetic nervous system getting that calming response in the body that counteracts all of that hyperactivity and and all of the mind talk. So having that as a framework at the base and then being able to kind of find these little anchor points throughout your day. um, It it brought to mind when I was first doing yoga and I couldn't really touch my toes very well and I didn't certainly have very great posture. Um, and I was in an Iyengar studio and, and those who practice yoga will know that Iyengar is all about alignment. And so I started to create that sort of anchor or reset for myself in my everyday by better posture when I was at my desk, when I was in my car. I mean, it was exaggerated. I was like throwing my shoulders back and really trying to, trying to do it the right way that was taught to me. But those little moments that I had with myself broke the same old habit. Um, And it's kind of interesting that when you begin to open your chest and you actually have better posture, that your whole outlook changes. You find that you are able to be more present and open with what's around you. Well, that's interesting too, because I think what what, what you realize is there was a physical response or a trigger that really helped you sort of bring yourself back. And I think in a lot of people's cases, that's probably a good place to start. So, um, you know, the rubber band trick, sort of the classic, you know, they use it for other purposes in psychology, but I did for a while kind of sort of tweak that process where you put the rubber band on your wrist and you snap it uh, when... Ouch. Yeah, well, it's... (laughs) I've never done that before. <laughs> not something I necessarily recommend, but it, it, it is traditionally used to um, sort of curb. Yeah, snap back uh, out of it. Yeah, habitual yeah. Um, mm-hmm. triggers for, for you know, uh, typically bad habits like smoking, uh, urges, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Mm-hmm. It, it's I'm not sure it's the most effective method, but what I did was use it to, to bring myself back to the moment. And I tried that for a little while, and I'm not sure it really worked all that well for me. But the idea is, is you're giving your body a little bit of a physical sort of kind of, it's not, I wouldn't say shock, but you're sort of kind of a little bit of movements kind of breaking you out of that stagnancy that you typically get into when you're drifting. And and a lot of times you're lost in, in some uh, negative thought or story of some kind in your head and, and the physical movement or act, whether that's opening your shoulders, your chest, as you described, or uh, coughing, you know, doing something deliberately to bring your mind back to the physical world, I think is one place that, that definitely can help. I think also talking about anchors as you were before, I think is really important because I think having an anchor of some kind to bring you back and to sort of set, sort of reset yourself is really important. And I think that can be applied to life. It can be applied to, you know, the desk when you're sitting, uh, producing whatever you do produce as a creator, I think having some kind of physical and mental anchor. And, um, there's a couple different ways. I mean, an anchor could be something simple as I described before, where you're just pulling yourself back into the moment, but it also can be something that you practice on a day-to-day basis that really helps you 
learn how to be present. And I think yoga is one of those practices. I think meditation is one of those practices. I think running for a lot of people is a practice. Uh, walking for me is very meditative. Music I, sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think establishing an anchor that you can come back to. It's like having a reset point. I know in certain forms of meditation, uh, especially ones that the eyes are open, they typically suggest that you have an anchoring point for your line of sight so that as you're breathing and focusing on your breath, your focus, your your actual physical focus, uh, your line of sight is helping you stay sort of grounded. And I think in some ways that's a metaphor for kind of what I'm talking about in the sense that having something that's physically pulling you back and that you can sort of come back to the starting line each time that you start to drift away. And I think that's that's somewhere I think where you can start at least. It's pretty remarkable, I think, how much our bodies and the health of them affect our moods, whether we realize it or not. So a lot of people constantly feel stuck mentally. They feel like they can't overcome. Like there are all these barriers to them getting to where they want to be with with their lives or with their creativity and their creation. And a lot of times it just comes back to moving your body, moving in a new way, coming back to the breath, but not just coming back to the breath because and this is something that a lot of yoga teachers will just say in class, and, and I'm guilty of it too sometimes. It's, oh, just, just come back to the breath when your mind wanders. Okay. So I do that for a couple breaths, and then my mind wanders again. Yeah, you know? It's really <laughs> so, hard. Yeah. So when you just come back to the breath, you're not just coming back to the breath. You have to change up that normal pattern of breathing itself. So you have to make it something different, you know, something that will make your brain go out of autopilot and into learning that new skill of what it is to breathe with your diaphragm, what it feels like when you truly expand your upper ribs and even into the back of your heart. I mean, imagine even feeling like your breath is everywhere in your body instead of just in the lungs, like where we normally think about our breath. So when you you start to create this new story around where your breath is and how you can come back to it, and that's an effective anchor, not just taking a deep breath and then hoping everything will change right after that one deep breath. Yeah, because often the deep breath just is is sort of sandwiched in between mm-hmm. more more thoughts and more drifting. <laughs> right, it's right. not necessarily right. bringing you back. I think I think we're trying to be honest about it here. I mean, this is not easy. So I, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to advocate to anyone that it's as simple as, well, you know, just take five deep breaths and focus, focus really well. And, you know, uh, it's just, it's never that simple. But I think I like the idea of changing your normal or establishing a new normal. And I think that's kind of what I was getting at is that you're sort of shifting. Um, again, uh, in some ways physically, some ways mentally, you're just sort of breaking that sort of wall of, of um I guess you said autopilot in some ways. That's that's a big part of it. You're you're, you're taking your brain and sort of shaking and saying, okay, come on, let, let's let's come back to where we are and not where we want to be or where we think we should be or so forth and so on. Yeah, and I think, just where we are. I love yeah. that. Uh-huh. Yeah, because that's, that's that's it. That's presence. Yeah, and in a nutshell, we're, we might be overcomplicating what is something so simple, but I think applying it in life isn't simple. I think it is, but it isn't, and I think that's the ultimate, you know, sort of paradox in in cultivating presences. It sounds so simple, but but human the human mind is just not inherently um, adept at doing something like this. And so I think having that anchor is something that we both established is really important. And I think it's it can be meditation, it can be exercise. Certainly, those are I think there's essentially maybe two kinds of anchors. I think there's a foundational anchor, which is what helps you grow your presence and your your practice of of becoming present and aware. And I think things like meditation and yoga are are on a larger scale, longer term, that's, that's, you're shaping the mind and the body to be present. Oh gosh. 
Well, for me, I mean, two years of doing the practice regularly before I began to really change things and say, okay, I can be different. I am different. Oh, this is who I really am. You know? So yeah, so it does take some time. Absolutely. And I think there is a second kind of anchor, which is something maybe in the short term and immediate that really just kind of pops that bubble of, of uh, sort of drifting into, to, you know, mindlessness versus mindfulness, I think. And that, that's, I think, I think the line that you draw. And um, for me, it's been, again, it's taken a lot of practice that there really hasn't been a perfect process that I've established to make it happen. I think I've just become really aware of how important presence is for me. And then uh, just gradually chipped away at it. Yeah. I think you hit it right on the head. I mean, presence really, these, these everyday moments of finding our presence lead to those, that two year down the line, one day you wake up and you're like, wow, wow, something has changed. I don't even know when or how, but it was in those everyday moments that you had to make this happen. So it it really does start in the here and now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, it's been only really about three or four months that I've really sort of started to truly cultivate and understand what this means for my my work. And I think what it's really done for me is by simplifying so much of what I'm doing and by shaving away stuff that just didn't really matter and just not giving a shit about whether tomorrow uh, I'm a superstar and uh, today maybe I'm a, a schmuck. It, it does, you know, all of these, these um, roles that we play and all of these things that we allow to pull our attention away and stretch us to a point of breaking, you know, I just started to just to shave them away. And I just, I just pulled myself out of that sort of cyclical bad relationship with outcome. Mm. And um, I think that's, for me, that's what that's been. And I think for everyone it's different, but I think where you can start is by examining your life and your creative process and really trying to figure out what can I get rid of? You know, what can I get rid of so it's easier for me to focus on right now? And when you start to get rid of, you also start to find your true community. So I think the other aspect to this is you do the work on yourself, but you also find others who are doing the work too. And that can be difficult. We're both introverts. Um, so, you know, like we have the close friendships, but but having, having the community and, and being buoyed up by those around you doing these practices as well is really, I found, going to amplify and speed up the process of getting to know yourself better, getting to know yourself as a creator better, um, and just living living the life that you want to live with other people who are right there with you. Yes, I agree 100%. I think that's a great kind of final segue here. I, I have a, a last kind of question here that I think is more just overarching, uh, very tied into to the, sort of the concept behind this podcast. But, you know, for for artists and creators, I always say that there's always going to be more finish lines to cross. There's going to be more outcomes to achieve, more rough edges to polish. It's just a never-ending process. So what do you think it takes to just let go and, and truly accept that where we are right now is where we're supposed to be? Have the willingness to start. The starting is the hardest part. Um, once you start, though, even the simplest little thing with implementing one of these anchors or the 10 minutes of meditation or YouTubing a yoga video, you know, anything that you need to do to bring yourself to this moment and pave that path for yourself to presence, you're going to get there. You just need to continue to have the willingness to start and to start over because 
it's not like you just do this one time and all of a sudden you're a master at coming back to the present moment, like we've mentioned. You know, it really is this continual process. And there will be a time, a couple months from now, who knows, a year from now, when someone will look at you and say, gosh, gosh, Brett, you're really different than how I knew you. And you're like, huh, I guess I am because you've started and you kept starting in the moment and you've shaved away all the stuff that doesn't matter. And you've come to who you are. And I, who I believe everyone is, is divine. You know, we are that, that connection to each other and that connection to God or universe or however you like to define it. Um, and that's where we're supposed to be. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. And I think some to some degree, it's also about permission. You know, I think give yourself mm. permission to, to be in this moment and right. realize that it is where you're supposed to be, even if you can't see that distant light. Um, right. It's just tough. But at the same time, I think it's accepting that it's okay for us not to know. And I think that's the hardest part. So anyways, I think uh, I really appreciate it. It's a lot of great insights, Karen. I, I you're one of my favorite people on the planet here. And I, I think you have uh, such a great um, understanding of, of yourself, of the creative process, but, uh, you know, of just, you know, what it is to be mindful in a way that's so so loving and so positive. And, and, and a universe, let's face it, at times can be a little rough. Thank you, Brett. Yeah, this was awesome. I really hope that people hear what they needed to hear with this and go forth and implement it into their lives. Thank you for listening to The Mindful Creator. Uh, All of our episodes live on our show page at wecraftstories.com slash podcast, uh, where you will find show notes for each episode with information on our guests, relevant links, and the ability to subscribe and receive new episodes as I publish them. You can also listen and subscribe to episodes on iTunes. uh, And if you can spare a few moments to leave a review there, it is greatly appreciated. It will really help us reach more artists and creators like yourself. Last but not least, you can connect with me and say hello on Twitter at Brett Henley. I wish you all of the best on your creative journey, and I will see you in the trenches.